This is part two of a two-part interview with psychic medium Marla Fries. If you haven't listened to part one, you may want to do so first. It precedes this episode. I hope you enjoy part two, and thanks for listening. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Please follow me on Facebook. Just go to JVJ Paranormal is the easiest way to find my Facebook page. Follow it. Whatever they do. I don't even know. Is it subscribe? Is it follow? Is it is it like? Is it? I, I don't even know. But find it and do whatever you need to do. You can be part of my online uh, social media community. I appreciate you doing that. Also find us on YouTube and Twitch. Both of those channels can be found by searching JV Johnson. Very simple. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Marla has written a book. It's actually a memoir called American Psychic. And Marla, you kind of describe this work as helping people. What type of help does somebody need that a psychic medium addresses? Wow. Well, that's a good question. I think that um, we're all trying to find our way through life, and we seek assistance from books, the Internet, therapists, friends, life coaches, all of that. Um well, I can't speak necessarily for other people, but I have a way of seeing future probability factors. And it's kind of another way of seeing how things are moving. Or one of the things that happens is going into the history. You know, when I will work for someone, it's basically I'm, I'm tapping into anything that will help you for your greatest good. That's my intention. And it is about greatest good. And, you know, when I was, I was talking with a, a client the other day and she was having problems with her, with a business venture. And the way that I saw it was that her father's um, whole business ethic had influenced her in such a way that it was problematic and it had hurt her. And she was trying really so desperately to run away from it instead of looking at it and fixing it. And I brought her father in because he was talking about the gas company that he worked for. So he he had lots of things to say, but he could see that his effect on her as a parent was not helpful. It had caused harm. And even though he set up a, a, a foundation and everything for the family dynamic, he recognized that it caused her pain. And that was important for her to hear. And he gave her, you know, details about what that looked like or what he's been able to ascertain since he's been on the other side. So I, I think of this whole thing, which I did not believe in, by the way, oh. just a whole, whole skeptic about this whole thing. I had a real attitude about it, and I just, I remember when it was happening to me, it was not like I wanted this to happen. It literally was out of a, 
um, a gift of fear, so to speak, that I write about in the book. But it, it literally is, it's like looking at life from a different perspective. That's the best way that I can say it, JB. Um, you know, it's curious. You have really great groove mu- music on in the breaks, and, <laughs> and I'm grooving to that. And it's, it's like those of us who really fit that, that music as opposed to acid rock. There's something about a frequency or the way of hearing things that I'm able to, to assist others. And, you know, sometimes it's, um, I have lots of different kinds of clients. I've been working with some um, realtors in the last couple of weeks. I help people find the right house or I can look at the house and tell you what's wrong with it without even necessarily being in it. There's something about my ability to, to assess um, compromise. And but that might be in the body. It might be in the family, the relationships. It's just, and, you know, it's funny because I don't, I don't know technology necessarily. Like someone had, had asked me what was wrong with their car, and I said, well, the thingy that looks like this, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the thingy that goes in, I said it looks like I'm hearing hydrostatic bar feed turning and drilling systems. I, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. But it's kind of like that. So it's, it's trusting the information. I think that people can access this information themselves, but, you know, they just, they get very frightened and they get overwhelmed and they haven't built, you know, the bridge that I have built, but I'm really about also helping others see their own sensitivities and their own psychic awareness. I have a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't like to go where I'm not invited, but I'm very curious about your stimulation around horror films. That scare con, mm-hmm. that dynamic, what is that for you? Because that will help also listeners understand that you're titrating, you're trying to move energy in your body that you, you know, because there's a, there is a, um, a chemical thing that happens in our bodies when we get frightened or we get mm-hmm. angry. So t- I want to know about that. You know, what it, do you think that is? You know, that that's a great question. And, um, I've done a lot of interviews because of my uh, work with Scaracon and because of my work here on the show. People, you know, people will interview me, and I get that, a question like that often, and I have the hardest time answering it because I don't know what it is. I think part of it <laughs> is the adrenaline. I mean, you, you're kind of touch, touching on that. Yeah. Um, it's this it's this adrenaline uh, rush that you get, but you know you're in a safe environment. But I also have to say this, and this ties back to an earlier part of our conversation, much of what I do with Scaracon and I like about horror films is that I remember as a child, as a, as a, you know, probably from eight years old to 16 years old, uh, sitting on a Saturday afternoon watching Creature Feature with my grandfather, who I loved dearly mm-hmm. and who, who took care of me almost more than my parents did because my dad was in a band on the road all the time. Um, and he and I would watch these old horror movies together. And there's a comfort in that at the same time as a thrill with the horror part of it. And I think there's a bit of a nostalgia thing for me, even though, you know, watching today's horror films is nothing like watching those horror films, but it still, right. still kind of has a connection there. So that's curious. It is. Um, so there is a chemical, the adrenaline, and then there's the endorphin or the Oxycontin or whatever, <laughs> not the codon, but the, but the oxytocin that rushes through the system of being connected in love. So 
that is, it's a very curious dynamic, isn't it? Because, you know, we're all trying to heal our trauma. And one of the things that I find most important, and you mentioned Hollywood, you know, we rely on Hollywood for entertainment. And one of the things that I think is most necessary, because I, I worked on um, trying to keep films from being um, released, things that didn't have moral resolve. And it wasn't though I was a goody two-shoes in any way, although some people would say that um, <laughs> on some level. But there were, there were films like, well, like the movie Seven that didn't have moral yeah. resolve. Mm-hmm. And when I was working with um, law enforcement officers and threat assessment professionals, they were always talking about triggers in society that create dynamics. And if we don't have moral resolve, people can get away with that kind of stuff. We have so many things to talk about. I'm so afraid we're going to run out of time, but I want to know about your work with James Van Prague. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I do. Well, okay. Well, what happened with James was I was, I had just been, I'd been going to law enforcement and because I had been stalked by someone and I was really fed up. Uh, nobody likes to be in fear. Nobody wants anything like that happening, yeah. but it was something that I, I needed to deal with. And I was just, I pulled this, all the shades down one day and just was watching TV, and I saw James on TV, and I'm like, who is this blue-eyed guy with a mustache trying to talk to dead people? Oh, this is a crock. Yeah. And while I was watching it, my girlfriend calls and says, girlfriend, hi, I can't get together with you this weekend. I'm going to see James Van Prague. And I was like, you mean the guy that's on TV? She goes, oh, Yeah. She says, I'm best friends with this personal assistant. Oh, you can go see him. He's going to be around the corner at the hotel that you live near. So I decided to go and see him. And I had quite the attitude. And I love to say, you know, be careful what you, you know, really have such skepticism about and yeah. what you talk shit about. Excuse me. <laughs> um, because um, it might just come back and bite you. And I went in to see James. And it was a moving night, so deeply moving. And I came home and got down on my hands and knees and said, please, show me what this is all about. What do I do with my abilities? And what's this talking to dead business about? And I had a dream that lasted for four hours, J.V., the center, the center, two words, the center. And it would not leave me alone. And I woke, and I was like sitting up going, okay, I get it. And that girlfriend called me and said, well, how did you like seeing James? And I said, it was really amazing, but I, I can't get past this dream. And she said, well, I'm going to call James's assistant and tell him all about it. And she did. And I was in James's house the next day oh, wow. because James had been having the same dream. And James had been working to develop a center and also he said, you're going to Brazil with me because we're going to the center in Brazil. And that started a two-and-a-half-year association where um, this was before his first book came out. So I got, I got him before he was really even famous yeah. at that point. And he was, he was, so having, he was having the same dream? Yeah. And you, you, yeah. Start, you, you had that dream after you had seen him, came home, and after you had, you, as you described, a prayer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was remarkable because I didn't believe in a me- being a medium or anything. And he put me in a class, and 
it, it was remarkable. You know, I write about all this stuff in the book. It's, it's truly such a, an amazing uh, experience that I had in having this revealed to me. I mean, I was so blessed in so many ways, and I know that many people who are listening to this are going, you know, that happened to me too, or I was led here, or what happened is those, you know, the remote viewers that I started working with. They helped me put, they helped me make the paranormal normal. The remote viewers and Tom Campbell helped me make the paranormal normal. I have, I, this is kind of an aside here. Uh, we're going through some very extraordinary times, not just in, in this country, but globally. Mm-hmm. Does somebody with sensitivities refined like yours, do you sense that, you know, without having to talk to people about it and without having to hear mm-hmm. it on the news? I mean, does something feel different in the energy, whatever that energy is? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm just going to try to calm down to even just talk about this. You know, when when people call themselves psychics and stuff, it's it's not about me being right, meaning I'm not out there prognosticating. I'm literally working with people on a one-to-one basis or sometimes a group, but I'm not traveling right now. The book had me going around the country and, you know, over to Europe for the last two years, and right now I'm I'm focusing on taking care of myself, mm-hmm. like we all have to do. Yep. I'm out here in Los Angeles, and it's easy to swim, which is great, and it's good to hike. But we have to go inside and start focusing on ourselves. And this is this is a whole shift in the energy. And people are angry, and I can feel that too. But I want to share something about this pandemic, which I think is very curious. It's not like I was walking around going, oh, a pandemic is coming, ooh. No, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was that last year in October, I was paying on a trip to go to Italy. I was going to take my book and, and make a trip to Italy um, this September, and I started paying on that trip. And around October, I just stopped paying on that trip. And by um, November, I stopped making plans to go to North Carolina and to do something with one of the paranormal uh, societies or even go to Duke University or go back to Chicago and work with Jen Weigel and, and do groups at the Wilmette Theater. I was, I kept stalling. And I was like, I don't know what's going on yeah, you here, but you I didn't can't know, make plans. You didn't know why. You just... No, yeah. I did not know why. And then I had sort of this out-of-body experience when Soleimani was killed in December, and I went apoplectic, you know, and that's what I have to be very careful about. It's, um, I don't watch the news. I will listen to the news, and I will read, read the newspapers, but I specifically don't have access to regular television. I, will, I have Apple TV so that I could order whatever I want to see, mm-hmm. but it's very important for me to do what I do for other people, to not stay in the fray, and it's very hard. Because we are in, we are truly in an awakening. And you know what, JV? It's not about being right. It's literally about seeing the history and going. What do we need to heal here? We have I, to heal this. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to ask that uh, next time you 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 plan a trip and you start to <laughs> not pay on it because you because you don't know why, but something's going on. Call me because okay. I had a trip planned to Europe in March that I had fully paid for and I had to cancel it. And <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to assist you with that. that. Actually, you know, 
I, I will, you know, I'm sure that if I was talking to somebody, well, I have a lot of entertainment uh, people in the business that I work with, and I've been saying, you know, look, you know, I was saying this back when this all started, there's a window in August where you can shoot for about three weeks, and then it's going to be a nightmare. So get it done. Get her done. <laughs> When you um, would you say you do more work as a psychic or as a medium or are they indis- uh, indistinguishable? For me, it's indistinguishable. It really is. It's it literally is. It depends on the person that I'm working with, or the group of people, or or the couple, or you know, yeah, it just depends on what it is. So when when you reach to the other side and you communicate with someone who has passed. Uh, on the behalf of someone you're working for or with and mm-hmm. helping, um, what are you actually, where are you reaching? Is, is, are we going to uh, <laughs> heaven or where? And I ask this, I, of, I ask this okay. of everybody who does this because I, you know, I, I, I still have trouble understanding where we're actually going when we're, when we leave this earth. <laughs> okay. Well, um, all right. So you're really good at this. I know you're really good at this. <laughs> you can send your you can send your mind to see where your kid is. You can you can send your consciousness to loved ones across the country. You can see what they're doing. You can feel it if you want. So it's but a thought. It's not like it's, you know, the speed of light. No, it's faster than that. So consciousness and it doesn't sound very loving to say that everybody's in a database, like, but the Matrix tried to do it, but, you know, that's a movie. But this literally is this benevolent, this is the greatest PR for God, or this larger consciousness system. The ability to tap into deceased loved ones or connect to consciousness that has moved beyond uh, the physical is something that, you know, the Bible's talked about for a long time. But we're able to do it. I mean, Jesus did not jump off the cross, you know? He didn't jump down, and he, he showed us life after death for a reason. So this dynamic is, it's all about the love. And so when I was first learning this, the dead were pressing upon me. They would press in on me, and I had to learn how to stop that and gain control over that. It's like the, I, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a telephone. They see Marla, or they see James, or they see someone else, and they go, oh, there's a consciousness that can make this happen. I think that Bruce Lipton and Tom Campbell were talking about the paramecium on these cells, and I don't know how it actually necessarily works inside my body, but it really is, I start to feel here see them. And I'm like, wait, guys, stop. I have to get up. I have to have breakfast. I want to do this. But as I'm on my hike, I start to hear things. And I'm just like, just wait, just wait. So there is a fine line between this barrier of love between the living and the dead that they want to make communication. And the fact that God in this benevolent system makes this happen somehow is so incredible to me. I mean, I hate to say, you know, I'm kind of like that fish swimming around the moat going, oh, there's the castle. There's the castle. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but it's like that for me. I am, I'm still always surprised at how, how amazing this love connection can be. 
Question from one of our chatters. Joe wants to know, and Joe is a she, Joe wants to know, have you ever had to deal with trickster spirits? You know what? I'm not the kind of girl that wants to handle that bullshit. Excuse me. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I just, I'm not available for that. Um, There's something about my personality having to stand up to my, uh, to the abuse of my mother. I just don't tolerate it. I can feel whether it's um, it's not on uh, on the right level, and there have been times when a personality has still had its um, resonance of anger or something, and I have basically said, "I'm not dealing with you. Um, you need to work on yourself because I'm not passing that information on." And I send them on. I I don't I don't engage it. I switch channels, so to speak. But thank you, Joe, for asking. And um, Terry wants to know uh, how often you work with law enforcement agencies and what type of assistance do you give them and has it resulted in any uh, case resolution? Uh, Good question. I write a couple of stories in the book about that. Um, It's tricky with law enforcement. You have to be invited. And that's one of the things that I uh, learned in working with um, the remote viewers, those of us who have been trained by like Lynn Buchanan and, and Joe McMonagall and some of the, the top remote viewers, um, we moved that ability out. They moved it out into the public. And so they started training people with this. And there's some really great groups where all they do is work on cases. But my work was pro bono and it was, um, it's always helpful, but not in the way that we would know, because I'm just giving information. And I could be sitting with detectives saying, well, I see this about the entrance, and I see what happened here and before this was going on, and I can see that they came in from Vegas, and I can see all these things. And they don't necessarily corroborate. what They don't give me necessarily feedback. And they will tell me later on, you know, down the road, well, this was helpful because it led us to this. Um, And I'm not interested in having to be in the newspapers or anything. That's not what this is about. This is about facilitating um, an ongoing investigation. And cold cases are usually what they will call you in on because what do they have to lose? When it comes to um, dramatic cases immediately, it's hard. It's been hard for me to work on cases like that because I have been traveling and working, and that takes focus. And it also takes not being influenced by the media because if something comes on the air and I start to hear information about it, I I don't want to I don't want to hear anything about it. I want to work on the case without any sort of uh, front loading. Um, the, yeah, that's kind of the best way to say it. So yes, there have been cases where my 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 help has been effective. And there's one in particular that I write about in the book. Tell us about Dreamland. You you work with Dreamland. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, I was um, a co-host for Whitley Strieber on Dreamland, unknowncountry.com. Between 2007 and I took a break there for a while. Um, Anne was very sick. She, uh, Whitley Strieber's wife, Anne Strieber, had gotten glioblastoma, and she was suffering so, and then she died. And then I went back on the air, I think 2017, 2018. So what do you want to know? Just, I'm assuming um, it's something that is that has been uh, a big part of 
this experience for you? Well, yes, I think that it was an amazing opportunity for me to read the books and interview people like you, although you're quite a wonderful interviewer. I don't know if I would had rose to the uh, um, <laughs> rose to the status of of having a show like you, but I was so grateful to meet some of these people, which resulted in so many wonderful connections all over the world for not just myself, but I got to pick some of the books and some of the people and got them on the air, and I really believed in what they were saying and doing. I remember um, Bill Buhlman, who was also at the Monroe Institute, wrote a book about, uh, it's really um, an inoculation into the death process. The title is Higher Self Now. And I remember reading that book and thinking, oh my God, this is the perfect inoculation into fear of dying. And I loved that so much. And I was even able to get um, Marianne Williamson on with Tears, uh, tr- uh, Tears of Triumph, getting her to be in the UFO community, which was pretty interesting. And it was also one of the most key factors that began actually opens the book, which is me talking with uh, Kari Louise Thomas and her husband, um, Chris Morton, about the mystery of the crystal skull. And I had an event with Max on that show that changed my life. In the middle of my talking to them, I'm hearing the way that I, you know, think that I hear people. I think I'm hearing Max, the crystal skull, the one that was found by the Guatemalan shamans. I'm hearing, Marla, leave your husband, leave your husband, come see me. And I'm laughing, thinking that, you know, I'm, you know, it was great for the art of radio hosting, you know, hearing Max, the crystal skull, talking to me. But I began to think, why is this happening? Is this real? Am I making this up? And my marriage was over eight months later. Oh, wow. So there were wonderful, amazing things that happened out of working in that arena. And then, of course, you know, the ET conversation. How much more time do we have? We have uh, enough time for you to tell this. <laughs> um, well, um, it wasn't something that I was interested. No, in. before before, and, before you tell, before you share this with us, is this your your UFO encounter? No, I wasn't even going to tell that part. Oh, but it okay. Is in the book, yeah, because yeah. I, I, I did want to hear about that too. So I don't know if that if that's something okay. you should combine or not. But I want to hear both of these stories. Well, I think that the dynamic was working in, for Whitley and meeting all of these incredible people from the UFO community, which was just amazing, um, was an indoctrination into a part of my history that I was afraid of. And I didn't know why, necessarily. I wasn't thinking that I had been abducted or mm-hmm. I wasn't you know, being shown various things about that. But the more I researched and the more I had encounters with people who were in the, um, in that community, the more we were all connected. And I found that fascinating. I had read Whitley Strieber's book communion when I was at the Cleveland playhouse sitting in a little rowboat, uh, on my days off. And I thought to myself, if this is real, I hope someday we'll get to meet them. And, of course, that happened. 
And if this is real, I hope that I can share this with other people and give people a voice. And I remember we did a pilot together. I think it was called Alien Agenda. Maybe that's but that's the Jim Mars book, too. I was also working with Jim Mars. But um, we did a pilot that never went anywhere. But I got to interview contactees about their experiences. And I think that that's a part of our history that is in the epigenetics of our DNA. And I'm really still very curious about it. Hmm. Aren't you? Yeah, very curious. And when you say that, when you talk, when, when, are you using DNA literally or figuratively in that? Well, I think it's the emotional DNA, the, the epigenetics, the emotional DNA of where we come from. I had an experience that I write about in the book um, where I'm in a meditation at the Monroe Institute, and I'm led into this place which, you know, I guess it was like a home that I had on a certain level. It was uh, level 27, and the experience was I walked into this house, and I'm like, hello, <laughs> and I, I detailed the house because it was, it was really great. It was like a cabin out in the woods, and beautiful cabin, and this man was sitting in this wingback chair, and it was John Mack, and I, I knew the name, but I didn't know him, know him. And, of course, John Mack was the incredible um, researcher. I, of course, found this out. And he was also a, a psychotherapist that wrote the, the book Abduction. But he invited me in and he said, I'm here to talk to you about UFO, which means unidentified family of origin. Hmm. And what that means in the culture and bringing in information about that. And we had quite an exchange. And I also met on the, uh, in that same experience Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who I really didn't know. I mean, this whole death and dying thing was sort of a new thing for me. So she was telling me how I had work to do. And she told me about her books, and she told me what chapter to go to, and look up this in the chapter, and this is what we were going to be working on. And I can't remember exactly the book, but it was chapter 13. I think it was on death and dying. And the question on chapter 13 was, do you believe, Elizabeth, in life after death? And she said, absolutely. And so she started downloading information to me. But I didn't know that. I mean, I had to go home. I was at the Monroe Institute in Virginia, and she had given me all this information. And it was as though... Here, here is the other side giving me classes. And, you know, I'm still in the, um, it's, all an, it's all being revealed when it's supposed to. Don't you think, JV? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm more and more a believer of that concept that this happens when it's supposed to. These things happen when they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't think that way before, but I'm seeing more and more evidence of it. Um, tell me why you decided to write the book, Marla. It's called American Psychic from the Heartland to Hollywood, Heaven and Beyond. This is a memoir. It's your story. Why did you decide to write it? Well, I think that loss is the game changer. And I had just gone through a divorce. And my whole world had been shaken up. And I think that that's where God always steps in, in the most, in the, in the situations where we need guidance the most. And whether you call them angels or whatever you refer to it as, I, I end up calling it thems, all of them thems, 
the heavenly eternal messaging system throughout the book because I was being communicated with by the most benevolent sources, trying to just help me get through what I was getting through. And I had lost my home. I'd lost all of the equity, all of my things. I'd lost what I had put my energy into for 10 years, as well as what I believed in as far as my, lo- my love was concerned. So I was turned upside down. And I had written and I'd done blogs for quite a while, and I thought I might just talk and, you know, about various stories, but it was downloaded to me that I had to tell my story. And that story comes with all of those painful parts that you gently began to discuss for me, because there were others that needed to have their stories told too. And if I opened the door and shared mine, then maybe others would share theirs. How long has the book been available? You know, it's been out for two years, but um, you're you're hearing about it now because I just launched the audio book. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, the book has been out for two years. It's, I mean, I didn't have, you know, a PR person. I didn't have the, the, um, the shoestring PR version, but it was very helpful to me to get it out there for two years, and I've had such a wonderful time with it. But the audio book is out now, and I'm, I'm really pleased about that, that I can tell my story. And as, I'm so grateful to be on your show. Thank well, you. I'm, again, pl- uh, pleased to have you here. But as as the book, it's been out for two years, so obviously people have had time to read it, look at it. Um, you must have started to get and probably continue to get people reaching out to you in some fashion and saying, um, you know, I've had a similar experience or I've had yeah. mm-hmm. these feelings yep. myself. What do I do? What do you tell people when they share that with you? Well, first off, I'm thrilled when they share that information. It makes me so happy because that validates the fact that, of why I wrote the book, right? So I'm, I'm thrilled to have that reflection. But I tell people to be curious. I think that we're at a time when people become so polarized in either belief systems or their ideas. I think we have to be curious and listen to... Um, to that small voice that, you know, is always talked about in the Bible, that God is constantly trying to give us, and to start paying attention to what makes us feel good. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now that are addicted to their anger, and I think we have to be very careful about that, because that makes our our immune system weak. And, you know, here we are in this pandemic, and Right now, being curious about the opportunity that we have to slow down and do some, you know, meditating isn't necessarily about making your mind go blank. I call it a conversation with God. I sit down, and the first thing I write is about my gratitude. And thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity I had today. What do you want me to know? And then I continue to write. I think I started, oh, my goodness, J.V., I have reams of those legal yellow pads, you know, in plastic Mm -hmm. bins of teaching myself how to listen. And I think that's one of the great things about having been an actress, because you are constantly listening and you're responding. Or in many instances, out of fear these days, people are being reactive. We have to take a step back and sort of breathe and sort of, and get our 
you know, our minds and our hearts wrapped around together. The other thing is this virus is attacking the respiratory system. It's attacking the throat. And being connected to your head and your heart, the most vulnerable thing is the prana. It's your lungs. It is the the nature of your throat, which is where the fifth chakra is, which is where the communication of hearing not only the dead people, but divine. It is that weak spot that we have to find ways of healing. And that's the transformation of all of our lives, healing the trauma. Marla, another question from our chat room. Uh, when you do readings for people, some some people that do these types of sessions won't convey uh, what they would consider to be bad or upsetting information, bad news, upsetting information. Mm. They try to keep mm. it positive. Do you, do you have an opinion on that one way or the other? Well, it's interesting because if I'm accessing information for your highest good and I start to talk to you about the fact that your stomach has GERD and it's in your esophageal and you're having esophageal problems, I think that that's proactive, don't you? Yes, I absolutely do. Yeah, so if I'm seeing that, I'm saying, you know, you might want to check that out. Um, various situations like that happen. You know, I've been able to see for strangers, and even for my best friends, they have to go through their own situations. We all have death and illness that, you know, come for us in various times in our life. But I, I um, have, well, that's a really good question, because I really, I embrace the information that I get. I never am, am shown, you know, ridiculous things like, when you're going to die, or something harmful or something mean or something nasty or something, anything like that. That's not how the information comes in. I basically am shown information for your highest good. So if I'm sitting down and I'm working with you, JV, and I'm seeing that that trip, that might not happen. You might not like hearing that from me, but I might save you some money. Or that house that you want to buy, you know, there's a plumbing problem. And the ADU that is on it, the uh, the uh, uh, alternate dwelling unit is not connected to the sewer, that might save you some money. Or if I tell you that that lawsuit that you've been, you know, percolating about for so long, it's just an opportunity for you to work out your angst and it might not, you know, it might not give you the results that you need. You might not like hearing that. But it's not necessarily bad. It's, as you said, proactive. It's exactly. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. What is bad? Right. What is bad? Right. You know, um, I think it is, I think it takes tremendous responsibility to be very conscientious with all this information. And I, I believe that the information is of a benevolent source. So, I, you know, I've had enough therapy and enough life coaching after 18 years of all of this, you know, transformational work to to love the people that I'm working with. And that love gives me a way of hearing, seeing, and feeling information for your highest good. And there's that word again, love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine, JV, all of a sudden you, you start really recognizing that someone on the other side wants to talk to you. You can feel a personality coming in and you know it's not your grandmother or your sister and some guy is telling you about 
the fact that he died down the street in a in a storefront. And you go down there and you find out that yeah, Billy, you know, got knocked off by possibly someone in the in the alley, a homeless person, and he's kind of shocked that he was killed. Now, what do you do with that information? Yeah. You get you get curious about it. Well, yeah. maybe Billy's just reaching out to you to show you that you have the capacity to touch the other side. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, go be a James Bond Prague. You might be wanting to call Marlon and say, what do I do with this? But the, the point is, it's an opportunity for you to go, oh, my goodness, something that I've been judgmental about or something that I, I wasn't so sure about. Or the most benevolent thing that can happen is that you intention going to sleep at night and asking for information about someone that you loved that died, and they show up in a dream. It might not be that night, but it might be down the road. Or there's a sign that comes the next morning that you, you hear their favorite song, or you went to, you know, you went to a Steely Dan concert and Asia is on. Something like that to continue to prove to you that connection and love is ongoing. Because what else? There's no other reason for me to do this work. Right. I mean, there's absolutely no reason for me to do the work except to build the bridge of love to help, to help us heal, to help us love. Because we need a lot of love right now, don't you think, sir? Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. And um, it's not going to get easier right now. It's, gonna, it's tough right now. And it's not about needing to be right. It's about what do we do in the face of these deep, deep challenges? You know, who do we believe? Well, we have to trust that we are being, we're being given an opportunity to see. You know, I, I, I laugh about Moses. I'm always interested in how Moses, you know, went up on that hill, had a conversation with a burning bush, came down with these tablets, and then, you know, basically said to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And we have these stories of the plagues. And, you know, we have an ongoing rapture right now. What, what, what is consciousness trying to show us? Is it important how many people die? I don't know. Right. But the fact that they're dying is important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it important that we, you know, find a cure? You bet. And whether it's zinc or, or whatever people need to do to take in order to build up their immune systems. I mean, if, one, if there's one thing that we have learned about this, JV, is that we have to be as strong as possible. Right. So, you know, this pandemic puff that I'm experiencing where my boobs are so big that I can't really, like, swim low in the pool right now, <laughs> I'd like to change that. Because <laughs> I'm popping up like a cork. You know, we, all, we can all do things to help ourselves. And not medicate ourselves through this. Truly focus and, and find the wisdom and get curious about what these times are teaching us. You know, George Floyd opened up a, a world of hurt that we have to see. If, uh, his, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. No, if someone, if someone is trying to help themselves, as you said, we have to help ourselves, and we do. Uh, mm-hmm. but they need help helping themselves and they want to work with you and get some guidance from you how are they mm-hmm. able to how are they able to do that well 
you know, they can fill, they need to fill out the contact form and, and basically mention, you know, your show and mention the fact that they're interested in something. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'd be able to, to see some or talk to somebody by, by September for certain. Um, I'm, I'm very careful about not backing myself up too much about that. But, you know, also, it's there's lots of people that you can see and talk to, and there's so much on the Internet. As I said, get curious whether you want, whether you're interested in this kind of work that I do or the therapeutic studies of Brene Brown, for God's sakes. I mean, anybody that follows someone like Brene Brown, consciousness like Tom Campbell, Tom Campbell is wonderful for people who are interested in the left side of their brain. And, you know, Tom has actually been doing these deep immersives where people are going into experiences without drugs, only using his binaural beats, accessing what I do. He's trying to teach people the work that I do so that they know it's real. Because, quite frankly, unless you have your own experience, JB, you really don't believe in this stuff. Yeah. That is the, the case with a lot of folks. Um, Marla, we're out of time, and it doesn't always happen, but I, I'm particularly, particularly happy when it does, where I have a list of questions and we only get about halfway through them um, before the mm. end of the program. That means that there's a good reason to have you back for sure, and I hope you'll agree to come back at some point. But before I let you go, the book is called American Psychic, From the Heartland to Hollywood, Heaven and Beyond. Where can people find the book? Well, actually, it's up on Simon & Schuster. Um, they, they were helping Post Hill Press. Post Hill Press published it. So it's up on uh, Post Hill Press, Simon & Schuster, Barnes & Noble, and, of course, on Amazon, and, um, and the Audible book now, too. And I want to give kudos to you. Um, I'd love to come back. I think the, I watched, or, yeah, I watched, I listened to part of your Dylan Howard interview the other day, and I... I want to keep that conversation open with us because I think that there's something very important about what he had to say. I, that's great. I, I'd love to. So thank you very much. And your time is is precious, and I am very uh, appreciative that you chose an hour and a half to spend with us tonight, Marla. And I look forward thank to having, you. look forward to having you back really soon. Thank you. Thank very you much. so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed part two of this two part interview with Marla Fries. Be sure to listen to part one if you haven't done so. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.